Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Oh, good afternoon. How was your weekend? Well, it sure was a great one for the Tigers, the Cajuns. It was terrific. Yes, indeed. It was terrific for the Astros. Terrific for the Phillies. It's great to be with you on this Monday, October 24th, the year 2022. Kids are all excited because one week from today, it's trick or treat. Do they celebrate Halloween on Halloween Monday? Or do they do it smartly and do it over the weekend? I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. My kids are old enough that doesn't phase us anymore. But I hope everybody's got their costumes ready to go and a lot of fun to be had by all. We are jam-packed today with lots of t- stuff to talk about. Uh, my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite. He is spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on and 1041 FM in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and you have a television set, we'll pop that bad boy on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. That was the game. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Down 17-3, LSU had Ole Miss right where they wanted him. Outscoring them 42-3 the rest of the game to win it 45-20. It's going to cost LSU $250,000 because student body stormed the field. That was not their first, not their second, but their third time to do that over the course of time, thus the $250,000 fine. But the Tigers improved to 6-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one in the SEC West. They moved up nine spots in the AP poll to number 18 in the country, They're number 20 in the USA Today coaches poll. Up next, nothing this Saturday. It's a week off, which tells you that means come November the 5th, the Crimson Tide of Alabama come rolling into Tiger Stadium as 14-and-a-half-point early favorites in the game. Oh, by the way, that's going to be a 6 p.m. kickoff in Tiger Stadium, CBS opted, obviously, for Tennessee versus Georgia. So CBS is hoping that both of those two teams remain unscathed and we move from there. Glenn West will join us in just a few minutes and we'll recap how good is Jaden Daniels. Good enough to pick up the SEC Offensive Player of the Week honors. Yes, indeed. He was the catalyst for the LSU offense. He accounted for five touchdowns, three rushing, two passing. Uh, The Tigers picked up 45 points, 35 first downs, 500 total yards. Daniels was 21 of 28 for 248 yards passing. He added 121 yards 
rushing, becoming the first quarterback in LSU history to rush for 100 yards and pass for 200 yards in the same game twice in one season. He scored on runs of 3, 11, and 17 yards running, and he tossed touchdown passes of 39 and 1. Um, he, he has become quite, quite the quarterback. Again, down 17-3 early in the second quarter. LSU outscored Ole Miss 42-3 for the remainder of the game, including 28-zip in the second half. When LSU knew that Ole Miss had to throw it, holy cow, did they get after it because two more players earned honors. Defensive tackle Mecky Wingo was named the league's defensive lineman of the week. And how good is Harold Perkins? Get him in the game. Get him in the game. He was named the freshman of the week. Wingo had seven tackles, one and a half sacks, totaling 18 yards in losses. He forced a fumble, patted down two passes, added a quarterback hurry. LSU limited Ole Miss to a season-low 116 yards rushing. Perkins, holy cow, can he get after the quarterback? Five tackles, a sack for a six-yard loss, a pass breakup, two quarterback hurries. He was everywhere as LSU allowed just 137 yards in the second half. We'll break it all down with Glenn West. Gerald Broussard will join us. How about the Ragin' Cajuns? Have they found themselves a quarterback? Uh, I think they have because, um, wow. Ben Woolridge uh, was named a Manning Award Star of the Week as well as the Sunbelt Conference's Offensive Player of the Week after his dominating performance and leading the Cajuns to a 38-18 victory over the Red Wolves from Arkansas State. He tied a school record for the most passing touchdowns in a single game with five. He added a career-high 316 yards through the air on 21 of 30 passing. Um, sometimes a kid just needs an opportunity. Sometimes a kid just needs a chance to not have to look over his shoulder. You just go ahead and play the game. Ben Willerich did. Kansas are now 4-3 and three overall, 2-2 two and two in the Sunbelt Conference. They've won two in a row. Short turnaround because they're going to make that bus ride to Hattiesburg on Thursday to take on Southern Miss. It's a 6.30 kickoff, and the Cajuns are a two-and-a-half-point road favorite in the game. Oh, it's getting tougher and tougher for the McNeese State Cowboys. They lost to Nickel State 40-35 to on the day, despite the fact that um, uh, their running back had one of those kind of days. Deontay McMahon, the Southland Conference leading rusher, 23 carries, 115 yards, and three touchdowns. He had five catches for 77 yards, about 57 yards on kick returns. McMahon ended up with 249 all-purpose yards and a career-high four touchdowns. So the offense was there, but the defense surrendered 40 points or more in five games this season. They haven't beaten a Division I team. They are 1-6 overall, 0-3 in Southland Conference play. They will host the Southeastern Lions uh, this Saturday at 7 p.m. And the good news, didn't have to watch the Saints this weekend. They will host the Las Vegas Raiders this Sunday 
at noon in the Superdome. We got a lot to talk about. I guess one of the questions I have for you is who would you rather be? Um, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, both losers yesterday. Again, the, look, the bad news for the New Orleans Saints is they're two and five, two and five on the season. The good news is they're only one game back in the NFC South. Both the Falcons lost yesterday. Uh, how good was uh, my boy Joe Burrow? How, how good was he? I thought he was on pace for like 800 yards uh, after what he did early on in the ball game. Um, Joe Burrow threw for 481 yards and three touchdowns. His passing total was the highest in the NFL this year, the second highest total of his career, and third highest total in franchise history. He set the team and career record in 2021 when he threw for 500 and 25 yards against the Baltimore Ravens. Nobody throws the deep ball better than Cincinnati. Burrow proved it when he hit Tyler Boyd for a 60-yard touchdown with his third pass of the game. They were really good, and they helped beat the Atlanta Falcons. So the Falcons lose. How does Tampa Bay lose and lose the way they did to the Carolina Panthers, 21 to three, they lose. Wow. Tampa Bay started off two and oh, now they've lost four of their past five games. Their offense is broken, man, crazy, crazy. So that loss compare combined with, uh, the Falcons lost to Cincinnati. They're both two and four, uh, three and four. The saints are two and five green Bay loses again. This time to Washington, 23 to 21. Why? Oh, why? These, these great, great, great quarterbacks look very human and they look very old and they all look like, where's my help? And man, so the Saints through it all, through it all, they're right there in the thick of it. I used to call it the NFC, the East was the worst division in football. But guess what? The Giants keep winning. Uh, the Commanders won. Uh, my goodness gracious. Cowboys are winning. And Dak Prescott comes back. They win again. So now it's the NFC South is the worst in football by far. But uh, the Saints have a chance at home against the Raiders. Can they get healthy? Can they get ready? That's all I'm saying. Can they do it? We shall see. So um, we've got Glenn West. Talking LSU, Gerald Broussard, the Raging Cajuns in hour number one. Hour number two, we start off with Ali Cassell. It was a playoff-like atmosphere. We'll get the latest on the health concerns of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson as the Pels fought from 17 back, got it into overtime, lose it to the Utah Jazz. Um, we'll talk to Ali Cassell about that. Uh, Randy McElvoy will join us. He was in New York City. As the uh, Astros pop the champagne bottles, they sweep, break out the brooms, and they sweep the New York Yankees. That doesn't happen, but they did. Uh, they swept them, and now it's the Astros versus the Phillies. We'll get an update on the Strohs, and Blake Rafino will share his thoughts on the LSU Tigers, the 18th-ranked LSU Tigers. They get ready to take on Alabama for supremacy of the SEC West. 
Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? Oh, what a quarterback LSU's got. All right, time to cook up some gumbo for a very good cause. The Realtor Association of Acadiana is hosting its annual gumbo cook-off at Park International on Wednesday, October 26th from 5 to 7 o'clock. The family-friendly event features a Halloween costume contest, music by the Rouge Crew, and, of course, great gumbo from 26 teams of area realtors who are competing to earn the title of Best Gumbo. Tickets cost only 10 bucks. It can be purchased with cash only at the event. All proceeds benefit three local charities, Maddie's Footprints, Habitat for Humanity, and Lane's Legacy. So come out, eat some gumbo, help out local charities, have some Halloween fun with the Realtor Association of Acadiana's annual gumbo cook-off on Wednesday. I got my aviator glasses. I got my jacket with all the logos on it. I'm going to be Top Gun Maverick for Halloween. Yeah. Why not wear some jeans, a white T-shirt? I am G to G, baby. G to G. Um, we'll take a timeout. LSU on a roll. Glenn West joins us next here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Fighting Tigers and the World Series-bound Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, um, welcome back. It is uh, 19 minutes after the hour. Glenn West is going to join us in a second. He is hopping on board our Zoom conference call as he just text messaged me that. So um, he joins us now after the Tigers' 45-20 to 20 win over the Ole Miss Rebels. As I said earlier, they've moved up nine spots, number 18 in the AP poll. They'll be a little bit lighter in the wallet. It'll cost them 250000 because of the field storming. And they await Alabama on November 5th, 6 p.m. kickoff in Tiger Stadium, tied a 14-and-a-half early favorite. Glenn West, good afternoon, sir. Hello, Jordy. How are you? I am terrific. Um, I'm almost as terrific as Jaden Daniels. Dude can plot. Dude, it, what else can I say? He has developed. He looks comfortable. He looks confident. And as he goes, so goes this team. Yeah, he's been a different player these last two weeks. Um, you know, very much deservedly so earned SEC Player of the Week for that performance over the weekend. Yep. Just uh Really fantastic stuff from him. I mean, he's you can tell he looks more confident with this offense. He looks more confident with the the players that are around him. And he just kind of let loose on, on Saturday. I mean, he, you know, was was really dialed in and with his throwing. Uh, he was running the ball great, um, yeah. making really great decisions when he when he wanted to tuck and run. And so um, and, and kind of the thing that we saw maybe that we haven't seen a whole lot of is he bounced off a couple tackles when he was running downfield too this last week. So um, he, he's been, he was been, he's been fantastic. I mean, 11 touchdowns over the last two weeks kind of speaks for itself. So uh, yeah, th this team will, uh, the performance he's had in the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, you can pencil in LSU to be in every single game uh, that they play the rest of this year. If he keeps playing like that. The SEC Offensive Player of the Week. Um, I don't know what was more impressive. His performance, um, man, that one-two punch of the running game, Godwin coming back really helps. But how good was the defense pitching a shutout in the second half? Yeah, it was it was pretty special. I mean, look, the, the defense obviously did not get off to a really great start. Um, you know, he, he, you know, the 
17 points in the first three drives. They just were not really clicking at all. And then, you know, one of the things that they did that I think we've all been kind of talking about is they put Harold Perkins on. Put him in. And it was a different game after that. I mean, he was fantastic and kind of being that spire for for, for Jackson Dart. And he was really in his face throughout the, the last three quarters or so. And you could tell the momentum definitely shifted when they put him back in on defense and, uh, you know, it's something that I think they got to continue to find ways to get him on the field. I mean, uh, Coach Kelly even said after the game, look, I mean, we're we're scheming this thing up and we're putting him in the game, but we're taking a first rounder off the field in the process when we put him in there. And, you know, B.J. Ogilary did not play as much in that game um, because of the need for Harold Perkins and kind of his role. Uh, so. It's going to be very interesting. You got two weeks now to prepare for Bama. Um, you got to figure out a way to scheme both him and, and Perkins on the field. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see certainly how all this plays out, but it's, they, it's a good start. Yeah, Can't they put Ogilari on one side, Perkins on the other? I have never hear Ali Gay's name ever. Yeah. Well, they were using um, Ali Gay as their best run uh, defense. Uh, edge rusher so like he's he's really good against the run and you know obviously we knew coming in that Ole Miss was a guy it was a team that ran for over 270 yards a game so they wanted to keep Ali in there because he's yeah. been pretty stout on the run defense part but yeah I'm right there with you I mean I think it's a good problem to have honestly if you have you know three edge rushers that you really don't want to take off the field but um, you know it could keep everybody fresh I think in two weeks time. We're talking with Glenn West, um, go 247 Sports. The ability to stop the run. I know they were, Ole Miss was without Evans, one of their dynamic running backs, but still in all, uh, they really stopped the run. And once once LSU knew that Ole Miss had to throw it to get back in it, man, they just pinned their ears back. And, I, man, Dart was darting for his life. Yeah. No, he was. And, look, I think, you know, one of the things that wasn't talked about as much during the game is Zach Evans, one of their change of pace running backs, did wasn't able to go. Right. He had a knee injury, and so they really relied on Judkins, their their other star back, to uh, really carry them in that department. And he, you know, he was fine, he was good, but I think LSU just I think realized kind of halfway through the game that hey, if we if we keep getting after Jackson Dart, if we keep making him throw the ball in tight pressure and mm-hmm. situations, then uh, we're, we're going to like the result. And so you saw LSU make those adjustments. I thought uh, in the second half, you had the Joe Fouché interception that was oh, an absolute was that? tide. Yeah. That was a tide turner. That was probably the play of the game, mm-hmm. maybe the play of the season so far, just in terms of the importance of that moment. So um, they, they've had, they, they've, you know, I think the way I kind of described it is they found their early season momentum, their early season confidence, and we'll see if it carries over here in the next you know, three or four weeks. Six and two overall, four and one in league play. And if you had told me a couple of weeks ago this team would be playing for the lead of the SEC West in November, I'd have called you crazy. But that's yeah. exactly what it is. I'm, I mean, don't tell me coaching doesn't matter on the collegiate level. It matters. Important football in November is what we haven't seen in three years yep. here at LSU. Yep. And I think that's part of the reason why you saw some excitement on Saturday after that win. Um, you know, probably part of the reason why, you know, you had the students rush the field there. It was a little bit of a that's, lackadaisical rush. Yeah, but that's a, I, that's what, a, I saw all those other teams the week before storming the field and eh, let's just go have some fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it meant to me. And I think it was just, hey, we haven't been in this position since, you know, we were, you know, hoisting that trophy back in yeah. 2020. I think it's uh, it's just a sign of things to come for this program. It really was a great signifier 
uh, of just kind of a, a win that you can go back and look at in two or three years is maybe one of the first to, to really grab the program and turn it in a new direction. And I think it was a really important moment for them. And some key freshmen playing some key roles, those bookend defense, uh, offensive linemen, Perkins on the defense. My gosh, they're, they're, they're stepping up and getting better and better. Mason Taylor had a touchdown yes. and a big, long catch. Yes. Yeah, you finally yes. got to see what they were, I think, thinking with Mason Taylor there. He showed off his speed on that one catch down the sideline, which was really impressive. Yeah. But, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, the the two bookend tackles and you, you got, you know, obviously the – uh, you know, the, the young quarterbacks that are coming up in this program as well. I mean, there's a lot of excitement about the future, but I think what you've really started to figure out here the last two weeks is kind of what this thing looks like when it's, when this program's, you know, kind of a well-oiled machine and kind of what you hope to see uh, in, in future seasons. I kind of like uh, Glenn, the fact that there is not one, there isn't a Kayshawn booty who's catching 90% of the balls. I mean, he's spreading that thing around to everybody and I think that's what's opening things up for everybody yeah he I think he threw to nine different receivers two weeks ago he threw to eight different receivers last week um they're they're finding ways to get guys open and credit to Jaden Daniels for for making the improvements in in his redevelopment I mean that was something everybody was extremely critical of a couple of weeks back when uh you know the passing game was just really non-existent against Auburn and then against Tennessee as well um you know, he was he was struggling getting to that second, third read, um, but he's completely turned that around these last two weeks. I think it's extremely positive momentum for him. We asked him after the game, just kind of, you know, how, you know, does this is this kind of what you expected? Is this kind of what you were hoping to do uh, when you first transferred here? And he said, absolutely. This was kind of the vision, uh, being able to, uh, you know, hit all my receivers and, and go through those progressions, continue to develop as a quarterback. And as a passer, and you really saw him, you know, kind of build that trust, I think, with those guys. He's, he's been really great these last two weeks. I mean, the numbers for um, Jay, yeah, just absolutely um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Tossed for, two, tossed for 250 and, and, and ran for an additional 120, and then you had five touchdowns yeah. between run and pass. Just you're going to win a lot of games when your quarterback's playing like that. Yeah, I didn't look it up, but his last two games, 11 touches, I can't imagine what his numbers are, but they got to be off the charts, which sets up the, here we go again, another night, you know, 6 o'clock start. By that time, daylight savings time will be done. It'll be dark early, and here we go with Alabama. I'm curious, how do, do we know how Brian Kelly handles an off week? What is he? Because he's not much on physical yeah. You know, yeah. he's on mental stuff, you know, and rest him. He wants him ready for when the game comes. I love that. Have you found out what his itinerary is this week? So, you know, I think we're, we're going to talk to him tomorrow uh, evening, um, but he kind of strikes me as a coach. It's going to be very much about using this week to kind of get your rest, get your nutrition, get your bodies right, get your health right. Um, they're going to practice, I think, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of a lighter week of practice, but they're going to start that Alabama prep. I think I'm pretty sure they're already starting that now. Right. I mean, just getting a good look at them, but um, they're going to be out on the recruiting trail this week as well. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be hitting up a number of different spots. You got to use this momentum while you have it. I mean, yeah. you know, top, top 10 win over Ole Miss, you know, you get your coaching staff out on the, on, on the road over the country and uh, you see what happens with recruiting this week. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, an important week. The open dates always are for teams, especially when you have them kind of this, 
late in the season, you know, you're kind of gearing up for that final stretch run. And look, like we said, LSU's right in the middle of this thing. They're tied for first right now in the SEC West and have an opportunity here to continue building this program up. Uh Dellinger should be back for Alabama. Who else? Emory? What happened to Emory? So Emory was dealing with a little bit of a knee injury that we found out about during the broadcast. So um, we're not sure on him. We It sounds like, you know, the, the hope was that you're going to get Major Burns back, the safety. Okay. Um, you know, he was dealing with a little bit of a neck injury, and those things just take time to heal. Um, but the goal was always to get him back for Alabama, which should really help with your communication in the back end of the secondary um, yeah, the hope is to get Dellinger back. Um, I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion though. I mean, the way this offensive, Oh no, you got, no, you don't put him back in the lineup. Heck you want to no. touch it right now. No, like, yeah, you exactly. do not touch so, it. He's so, emergency only. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be a good, good kind of have him act for, for, for depth and whatnot. And then Jack Besh too, he was dealing with a little bit of a back, uh, back deal. I call it a cranky back. I think is what uh, Coach Kelly described it as last week. But it ended up holding him out for this game. So, you know, hopefully a couple extra weeks rest will be able to get Besh, and you'll have a kind of a fully loaded, reinforced uh, team here in a couple weeks. Alabama, LSU, four and one in conference play. Ole Miss is three and one. Mississippi State's two and three. And you know who's bringing up the rear? How about them Aggies at one and three? They go to yeah. South Carolina and get beat again. Yeah, it's it's not looking good in Jimbo land right now. Wow. And they just gave him an extension, too. I mean, it's just uh, – it'll be interesting. That's going to be my other uh, road trip this year is to Aggie land and then wherever they get the bowl game. So, I'm excited. I've never been to College Station. I hear it's uh, decent. It's, but I'm, it's, I'm unique. Not, it's, it's unique. It's unique. But it's unique, yes. I'll get that experience in for sure, which yes, will be Just fun. don't stand next to one of those co-eds because every time – Texas A&M scores a touchdown. There's hugs and kisses going around. So be careful, big guy. Gotcha. Uh, but you'll be in the press box. So um, I guess the biggest story of this LSU football season to date has been the development and the improvement of the quarterback, hands down. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think that's been a big one. And I, I would honestly put 1A and maybe 1B would be the development of these two freshman tackles. I mean, yeah. you just can't you can't begin to explain how – unique it is for two true freshman offensive linemen to be starting to be getting this experience now I mean you you talk about what they're doing now but I mean could you imagine what they look like in you know a year or two from now I mean they'll be you know they'll be be a lot heavier a lot stronger and I'd like to be a quarterback on that team absolutely I mean this is kind of the process that you're really wanting to see you want to see some of these young guys get developed early perform early get on the field early so when you're really thinking you can compete for a championship in a year or two. You have some of those guys that are veterans that are battle tested, that are uh, really well versed in the SEC. And so that was, that's been a huge storyline for me. Um, but obviously the, the quarterback Daniels, I mean, the, the, the two week turnaround we've seen from him has been pretty unprecedented. Unless things go completely in a 180 degree direction South, your storyline for the off season is going to be, all right, which quarterback's going to transfer? Because Jaden Daniels has another year to play quarterback. Garrett Nussmeyer, we're all watching you. We'll see. I'm just telling you. We'll see. I, I honestly don't know what to expect out of that room. You got Ricky Collins coming in as well. Yeah. I think the uh, the all, the plan, you know, at least from my 
bird's eye view is that, you know, you'd have Daniels for one year and then you kind of see what happens with Nussmeyer and Howard. But I mean, if Daniels keeps this kind of end of season momentum going, <laughs> uh, he, he'll have a tough decision. Cause I mean, if he comes back next year, you would imagine he'd be one of the front runners for, you know, the Heisman for Bears. all. I mean, like, he, that's, that's the kind of story that you've been just Joe telling Burrow you. Avenue. That's the Joe Burrow way to do it. So um, we'll see. I see the footprint has already been established. And we shall see. I can't thank you enough, man. Uh, no press conference today. Enjoy. Go play some golf. Relax. Enjoy things. Yes, Cause, sir. Because old happy Nick birthday and the to Crimson my Tide. My parents have the same birthday today. So happy birthday to my parents. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. Terrific. They both have the same birthday. Same birthday, October 24th. Yes, wow. sir. Wow. I hope you got them something good. Are you baking a cake or something? I'm taking him to dinner on Thursday. I feel like I'm an oh. adult now, so I got to. Can take you uh, can you give me a hint? What kind of restaurant? What uh... Uh, Clancy's in New Orleans? Nice. So yes. Well yes. done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, Glenn yeah. West. Enjoy, my friend. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jordy. All right. We'll take a uh, time out here, but first, before we get to Gerald Broussard, I uh, want to be the first one of the first people to see Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Then text Panther to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda Forever at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November 10th. Once again, text Panther to 337-283-8100 for two tickets to Black Panther Wakanda Forever brought to you by the game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. So LSU got a quarterback. Cajuns got themselves a quarterback. 20-point win over Arkansas State. Gerald Broussard joins us next to recap it all here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the World Series bound Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back after losing their first two Sunbelt Conference games. The Raging Cages have now won back-to-back league contests. They win at Marshall. The big question was, can they keep the momentum going? Well, I would say they did so with a 38-18 to win over Arkansas State Saturday at Cajun Field. Gerald Broussard was in the box, um, the broadcast booth, to call the game for the Raging Cajuns radio network. And he joins us now. Uh, I said it earlier, LSU found themselves their quarterback. And I don't think there's any question or doubt, Gerald, the Cajuns found their quarterback. Yeah, I tell you, ben, uh, Jordy, and, and, and good to be with you, pal. Uh, ben played really, really well. And, and you know, I think when you see the, the what he's done in the last two weeks, uh, just just the confidence he's playing with, it, it, it's good to see. He's got a lot of people involved in it and hadn't had to do it or hadn't done it behind a, a big run game. I mean, he's done it uh, with the Cajuns being able to run the ball later in the game, because, but against two really good teams against the run, and uh, and he's doing it throwing the football and getting the ball spread around, making good decisions, and uh, it, it's good to see. It's nice to see uh, the offense being able to get something done. I've always believed that when a guy is not looking over his shoulder, worried about, oh, if I make a mistake, I'm coming out. And this is not a knock on Chandler Fields in any way, shape, or form. But you can't play two. I'm, I'm convinced of that. 
Um, and Woolridge is not looking over his shoulder. He completed 62% of his passes, uh, 21 of 34, 315 yards, five touchdowns. That, to me, is a kid that's playing confident, playing free. He's not worried. He's just going out there and balling. And look at the results. Really is. And, you know, he's doing it. He, he he doesn't have to worry not just about that, but about the other team separating from him because of how good his defense is playing. And, and you know, when he was playing early and getting the snaps he was getting there, Jordy, um, you know, he kind of, I don't want to say, might have felt the urge, the need to perform in order to, to justify getting more snaps. Um, and, 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 and you, you hit it on the head too when you talk about Chandler. It, it's not a knock against Chandler. Chandler was fighting the similar situation himself. Yep. But I, I do believe though that neither one in camp really separated one from the other. And, and, and so there, there was not a clear set guy in there, but that, that going on and that being said, uh, I think there is now, and I think we all know that. And I, the disappointing part is that there were a couple of other games had the decision been made sooner, but I just don't know if the decision was ready to be made uh, with one or the other. I'm glad Ben got the reps he got when he got them to prepare him for the start against Marshall. But, you know, hindsight, we all know. And, and I know people were saying it before, too. you got to pick one. you got to pick one. I just think it was hard to pick one of the two. But now I think that that, that that has been happened, that's been done. And, and looking forward to going there Thursday night and seeing the continued maturation of Ben and to, to see him keep growing with it. Jordan, the good thing was is that you know we were able to get some explosive plays. And look, Ben, ben made a couple of throws down the field, but some of them were catch runs that, that made it re- <laughs> look yeah. really good. And it was because of the Cajun ability to run the football. He just has brought a confidence to the offense that we, we hadn't seen. Oh, yeah, he got a little swagger to him. It didn't hurt that uh, James Blackman, the quarterback for Arkansas State, did not play. I don't know why he didn't play. Nobody's told me any reason why. But, you know, when 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 that dude's not there, that certainly helps you out. Uh, and But you got to play against who you play against. And this was a dominating performance uh, by Coach Dez's club. Yeah, it really was. And look, I, I watched the game against Southern Mississippi uh, again yesterday, the Arkansas State Southern Miss game. And I saw Blackman get rolled up a little bit. And, and, but it happened in the first half. He came back and played some in the second half or played in the second half. I had anticipated him playing. We had heard rumors that he may or may not play. Um, but there was, a, there was a big drop off between him and, and, and the quarterback that did play for him. And, and, you know, and look at Mayer, AJ Mayer was the guy's name who was a transfer in there. And they ended up going to a true freshman towards the end of the game, Jason Daly. And so yeah. when, when you don't have that guy, then it's going to make a difference if you're Arkansas State. Look, I'm not mad. I'm glad he didn't. I, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to draw a picture. You know, I'm, I, I pulled for the Cajuns and, uh, and, and, but, but Jordy, I'm telling you. If they'd have put him in there, the way them other cats were getting hurt, I'm not yeah. so sure he'd have made it out of that one either. Now, that defensive line for the Cajuns got after it, exposed the lack of ability to protect in the Arkansas State offensive line, and they hit them all. Everybody that said hype for Arkansas State got hit and hit hard. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Gerald Broussard, the color analyst on the Raging Cajun Radio Network, kind enough to join us after the 38, 30, uh, 38-18 win over Arkansas State at Cajun Field. Um, golly, Woolridge is cool. It's cool as the other side of the pillow, as they say. He didn't even realize he had five touchdown passes, which tied a, a program record. He said somebody told him in the locker room. He went, oh, really? Well, that's cool. 
<laughs> yeah, and we knew in the box, and uh, you know, and, and some people say, well, you got to keep him in to get the record and all that kind of stuff. But boy, you sorry, you should be kicking yourself if all of a sudden somebody takes a shot on him late in the game, trying to get a record when the game is in hand. You just, you know, I, I think that's the best way to do it is just to let it play out and and. And he was doing it, dude, to five different dudes getting it out of there. And I'm telling you, the thing that I like the most about Ben is he, he doesn't panic when it's time to bail on a play, and he doesn't mm-hmm. make a bad play worse. Uh, you know, he's making all the good plays, and he's keeping from making the bad plays, too. And I, I say that not as a, as a guy that, that plays on the negatives, but as an old, fat offensive lineman. Man, you hate to have to come from behind and get them extra yards. Ben, you don't have to get that with Ben. And um, it's it's been fun to see, and also I think there's there's a little bit of confidence now, Joy. We've been talking about the progression of the offensive line. The guy's getting a little bit better here and a little bit mm-hmm. better there. Saw the ability to run the football a little bit better. Now this one's going to be a chore. Southern Miss is a chore to run the football against, but uh, uh, it's sure a lot easier to practice when you're on a short week when you know you got to travel coming off a win like the guy. Yeah, as long as they don't have Brett Favre back there, quarterback, I think I, I think we're all okay. Thursday night, six thirty, Cajuns favored by two and a half. All that tells me is the players aren't going to do much, uh, hardly anything of a physical nature in these days. But those coaches, as soon as that game was over on Saturday, they were grinding because instead of playing on a Saturday, you play on a Thursday. So so they're doing Monday Tuesday work. On a Sunday, so this is a this is when the coaches have to bear down and hunker down. You've been in all these roles, a player, a coach, and now a broadcaster. Tell me about the coaches' week on such a short turnaround. I think uh, when you first get the schedule, I think you do do some pre work. Now, one of the things about Southern Miss is that defensively, you, you're getting what you get, and and I think the anticipation of seeing what it, what you were going to get. Austin Armstrong is a defense coordinator who actually coached at at UL a, a little while back and then went over to our, to uh, Southern Miss when Coach Hall took the job, who also coached at UL. And so, but, but I think that what he's doing defensively uh, is something that they, they've been doing with the players they've wanted to do all year. But there has been a change in quarterback due to an injury. Their Southern Miss is playing a true freshman quarterback. Actually finished the game playing a, a walk-on quarterback where number 24 came in along with the true freshman and Frank Gore uh, Jr., doing some wildcat stuff in there. So Southern Miss has been struggling to move the football offensively. But but you're right. The coaches got done with it, barely got a chance to celebrate, Jordy. Uh, and then they just go so kind of start watching films. I got home as a broadcaster, got home from the game, uh, got up Sunday morning, went to Mass, came back from Mass, and, and, and put on Southern Miss. And I mean, just had to kind of start watching that with the Texas State game, finding out how that thing played out. And, and I know those coaches, they, they, they got an earlier start than I did. The other thing is that the Cajuns have got to have a lot more in because you're traveling on Wednesday. Uh-huh. And so, you know, not only is your work got to be done, but all the little stuff, the, the game, the call sheets, the preparation stuff, all the stuff that needs to be typed and on computers and laminated and all that, it's got to be done before you go. And so you don't have the day Thursday, you know, like Southern Mrs. coaches have the day Thursday to clean up a lot of that little stuff because they're right. there. They've got nothing else to do during the day. But but the Cajuns are going to be in a hotel uh, trying to get all this little stuff done. So it, it it makes it fun coming off a win. That looks Southern Miss had to travel back from, from Texas State after their game. And so they're, they – they had a little bit better trip, Jordy, coming back after a win. They were able to get the win there at the end of the game against Texas State. Right. 
but right. but they uh they did have to travel whereas the cages got a good night's rest and then got after it yesterday just and and the grind is the fun part yeah both teams coming in on a two-game winning streak a very important game for the cajuns they're at two and two in conference play southern miss is two and one tied with south alabama which is also two and one Troy Wade has played a whole bunch of conference games. Troy is 5-1 and one in conference play already, so uh, you get to play them later on in the year. So nothing like the present to, to make up some ground, and we'll, we'll see what happens. So um, now that you got a hot quarterback, uh, I say anything is possible. Uh, you go on the road, and, but, but Gerald Broussard's not going on Wednesday. Gerald's driving up Thursday morning, if I know him. No, actually, Jordan, I'm going tomorrow. <laughs> my other job puts me uh, in, in Columbia, Mississippi, about 30 minutes from Hattiesburg on Tuesday afternoon. And so, oh. and look, did I plan that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you're smart. <laughs> you see, you're smart. Make a couple, about $10,000 on the business. Make make some more doing the radio. It's a good life. It's a good life. Yeah, it's, hey, look, I, it's not always, but but this week, it's good to be Gerald. Now, I don't mind telling you. I'm going to enjoy well, my week. Look, I thought I thought the Cajuns would win. I did not see a twenty point win, but I did not also see that their starting quarterback was not going to play. That made a big difference. And you know what? You take good fortune and you run with it. Uh, but um, Woolridge was terrific, and it sets up a really good matchup with the newcomer in the league in Southern Miss on Thursday night at six thirty. Gerald, have a great uh, uh, great travels up to our sister state of of, of, of Mississippi. And um, we'll see you soon, my friend. Thank you. You bet, Jordy. I'll blow the horn as I pass through Baton Rouge. There you go, my friend. I greatly <laughs> appreciate it. Gerald Broussard, okay, uh, kind enough to join us. Cajuns get the big W. Uh, the Karen Crow Cultural District is getting a big W because they're hosting Crow Fest, downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival, this Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. Families are invited to enjoy a safe trick or treating along St. Peter's Street which will be closed to vehicle traffic during the event. There'll also be games, a haunted house, a petting zoo, a costume contest for kids, and a pumpkin carving contest. I just wonder, since the Cajuns play on Thursday, LSU's off. That means Saturday's available. Is there a church anywhere in our communities that doesn't have a wedding going on this weekend? Seriously. I mean, everybody looks at the schedule. Okay, we can get married, but it's got to be open date. And it's got to be when the Cajuns aren't playing at home. There it is. This is your opportunity. I guarantee you. Uh, James, you and I could be wedding crashers this weekend and just have a blast. Just have a blast. But anyway, they might welcome us in. They might welcome us in. Um, so do some homework and let's find out where all the weddings are. Okay, we'll take a time. I'm just kidding, folks. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series bound Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Right, we're back wrapping up our number one, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member 
of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Yes, indeed. So, uh, again, LSU moves up to number 18 in the AP poll. That's up nine spots after their 45-20 win over Ole Miss. They're number 20 in the coaches poll, which sets up another epic matchup with so much on the line when Alabama comes to town. And this is the off week. Lots of time to prepare. Lots of time to get healthy, to get right. And old Nick and the, the Red Elephants will be coming into town coming up our number two we'll recap a tough pelicans loss what an atmosphere it was a great astros win and more on the tigers this is the jordy Heltberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles our number two coming your way live and local this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a saints touchdown it's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves here's your host the blonde bomber jordy holtberg Hour number two of two, and away we go after a really good weekend locally uh, in college football. LSU's a winner. UL's a winner. Tulane's a winner. We didn't have to watch the Saints play. Thank God for that. Um, The Astros were winners. And, oh, what a performance it was and what an atmosphere it was in the Smoothie King Center like a playoff atmosphere. And it was the home opener, and they'd taken on the Utah Jazz. And, um... Boy, interesting matchup, interesting game, interesting result uh, with a lot of um, antennas to it, so to speak. And we'll get into all of those right now with our good friend from At The Bird Rights, Ali Casella, as we start off our number two, talking about the Pels. Ali, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. How about yourself? I'm really good. It, um, I wasn't there. But it sure sounded like it was game six of the NBA playoffs for the Pels in that arena. It absolutely did. I mean, people were making some jokes saying, look, the arena's full or it's a little bit louder. No, it absolutely felt like, you know, a playoff game against the Suns from a few months ago. Yeah. Because I couldn't hear myself think. Those introductions, (laughs) the fans were screaming. After every positive play, the first few minutes, Again, I couldn't hear myself think. I actually got a headache towards the end of the first quarter just because I wasn't used to it. And then all the action throughout the game, right, all the ups and downs, it actually had a playoff feel to it, right, yeah. the way how hard the Utah Jazz were going. And the Pelicans, they really fought back in the second half. But unfortunately, they wound up coming up just short in that comeback. If anybody – this is a classic example of what the NBA is all about. You know, Utah gets rid of their Donovan Mitchell and uh, Rudy Gobert, and everybody thinks that they're – they're tanking. They're trying to get the big seven foot three Frenchman as the first pick in the draft. But all these players, all these players are good. Every team has good players on it. Uh, is it sustainable for Utah this season? I doubt it severely. But on a given day, I mean, Markinen's good player. Um, that's all there is to it. But I guess, I guess the biggest storyline of the game is 
what's the what's the injury update on Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson? You got to turn around and play again uh, Tuesday. So what's the status? Have we heard anything? Yes, we have. Unfortunately, it sounds like everybody escaped any kind of you know major kind of long term type of injuries. Uh, Zion fell on his backside, but reportedly he's just kind of bruised up. Uh, so there's, I think, a decent chance we'll see him tomorrow. Brandon, on the other hand, you know, he got hit in the face uh, on a play and a collision with Najee Marshall towards the end of the first quarter. And he tried to come back in the second quarter but couldn't, left the game and, and didn't return because he was suffering from concussion-like symptoms. But what we understand is he didn't enter concussion protocols. But still, that doesn't mean that he won't, right? So it all depends on how honestly he feels over the next, you know, 12 hours, 24 hours. Right. If he feels a lot better, there's a chance he'll play. But if he still feels a little woozy or something like that, we may not see him for a few games. Um, and then, of course, Herb, he twisted his knee late in that game, but he was yes. able to play through it. His injury was actually the scariest, right, because he required right. an MRI, MRI. Unfortunately, it all came back clean. And i got to mention, Larry Nance, Jose Alvarado, they also sustained minor bumps. Ho- uh, Nance fell really hard on one play, and then Alvarado twisted his ankle. So it felt like a war, and honestly, a lot of players, they were worse for the wear after it. But I think, of, like uh, I said, fortunately we'll see a lot of these guys. They'll come back uh, relatively soon. So no long-term absences. Nobody's foreseeing that. That training room was very, very busy today. So you would think you're down by 17 points. You got your leading score in the locker room. You got your second leading score who is uh, won't go to the locker room because he wanted to sit there and support his teammates. Um, and you would think, well, sh- this, this is over. It's just Utah's night. But my goodness, um, Najee Marshall, C.J. McCullum, uh, Trey Murphy, the defense. Uh, talk about that rally in the fourth quarter. It was incredible because you're right. Everybody thought the game was over. I mean, the Jazz were up by 17 points with less than 10 minutes left in regulation. And then the Pelicans just whittled away that entire lead. Um, and Or that deficit, I should say, by you know taking care of business defensively. Utah only scored one field goal for over eight and a half minutes. And it was a Kelly Olenek three. That's it. So, of course, the Pelicans were able to come back when you're holding the team to actually zero points for the majority of the quarter. So they grabbed the lead, right? So it became anybody's ball game for the final, you know, couple of minutes or so. And of course, in overtime, had the ball just bounced differently, Jordy on certain plays, the Pels could have won. Mm-hmm. I mean, thanks to that game saving, uh, Markinen save on an Aaron, uh, Jordan Clarkson pass yeah. or the half court line looked like it was going out of bounds when the yeah. Falcons were up. He saved it through the Clarkson. He hit the three. I mean, that was kind of emblematic of just not being able to get completely over the hump for the Pels down the stretch. I, I swear, I thought Olenek traveled uh, on the bat. And I'm not saying that as a guy that wants the Pels to win. I do, but I'm not a homer. I swear, I thought he traveled. And I'm, I'm surprised nobody else uh, responded or felt the same way with that. I swear, I thought he traveled. Um, but anyway, it's neither here nor there. But defense was the key. And I love how they went small and then went quick and they just switched on every screen. And I didn't look like Utah knew what to do against a team that switched. And as soon as the screen came, boom, you're right there on the player coming off the screen. I I just loved their intensity. I really did. Yeah. I just wish I would have gone to that strategy earlier because you're right. It worked so beautifully. Utah had no idea what to do. They were switching on everything because guess what? They had mobile uh, athletic defenders out there on the court. And that's what the jazz like to do. Run a pick and roll gain, gain yeah. some space, whether it's for a drive or a kickout. That's it. That's Utah basketball. Or go ahead and shoot the three. 
Well, Pelicans absolutely destroyed that. And like I said, I wish they would have discovered that in the second quarter because Pelicans were getting picked apart a little bit, right? They were getting their open shots far too easily through the first three quarters. But, hey, there's so many games still left, right, Jordy? I mean, 79 games, you're still living and learning, especially at this stage of the game of the season. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. Call me crazy because he's scoring. But I don't think Zion Williamson is near game game ready um, to the point where, you know, everything he gets is just a layup or a dunk and his outside game and his mid range game and all that. It's, it, it, it's coming, but don't you get the same feeling? We haven't even seen him scratch the surface yet this year, in my opinion. No, absolutely not. He's been working on mid range shots, stuff away from the rim. And we haven't even seen him, I think, shoot a single shot, right? From outside, right. like say six feet where he can almost reach towards the rim, right? To lay it up. Right. But I think also look, look elsewhere on the court. He's not in the right positions far too often. And, and that goes back to just not being familiar with playing the NBA game, yep. right? Being yep. away from the court for 17 months, you can go ahead and shoot around, do all those type of things. But what you're not used to is playing defense on switches, Ooh. on fundamentally Ooh. having your body in the right position uh, to ward off guys on drives for rebounding, you name it. And I saw that. And look, that's just going to come with playing time. That's just reps because, I mean, I saw him, for instance, one, one possession down the stretch before he left the game. Rudy Gay just simply walked by him from the perimeter to grab uh, the offensive rebound, keep the possession for Utah. Yeah. When all Zion really had to do was step in front of him, turn around, put his butt into him. Right? It's just those small things. So that's going to come with just playing time because, look, he has no basketball experience for over almost a year and a half. Yeah, I saw several times he was just so ball conscious looking at the ball and his man just went back door, got an easy layup or help defense came over and that player passed to the other player who was open. And so, yeah, he just needs to get it up. It was so bad, so difficult, man. Brandon Ingram was on pace. He was on pace for a 40 point night the way he was playing. Jordy, that, that, that's my biggest key. If B.I. doesn't get hurt, the Pelicans win. He was oh, not yeah. only on fire, feeling it like he was those first two games, looking unstoppable. And the Jazz, they had no answer. Laurie Markkinen started out on him. He absolutely cooked him. And on the other end, B.I. actually gave Laurie trouble to where he missed a couple of his first few shots. Laurie only got himself going because the Pels' defense kind of collapsed. They had a couple breakdowns, right? One possession. Laurie staying underneath the rim, wide open, gets a layup because nobody was guarding him. Then there was an offensive rebound that hits the ground. Laurie comes up, picks it up, scores, gets an and one. Then there was a cut. Right, B.I. had his head turned. Laurie got going that way. So Laurie got going because of the Pels' mistakes, but B.I. was just flat-out incredible, looking like an all-NBA town. I think through 48 minutes, that would have prevailed. So it's really unfortunate that he got hit in the face by Najee. Very early in the season, but I can promise you, uh, as we get later on past Christmas, uh, the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trailblazers will not be leading the Western Conference as they are today, all at 3-0. and But what I, what I have a funny feeling about is, how about the Lakers 0-3? And, and they've already got all kinds of trouble uh, in Tinseltown already. You know, we all kind of saw this coming, right? For months we've yeah. been talking about what are they doing? How did they improve? And sure enough, they're showing that. Russell Westbrook needed to have been traded this offseason. If they were legitimately wanting to win with LeBron there, he should have already been moved. And we saw that. And I watched the last few minutes of that game before the Pels game started. And I'll tell you what, they did collapse. What's they Russell can't shoot. doing going for a quick two when there's that much time left on the clock and the Lakers oh, are yeah. winning, right? Yeah. 
it's 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 honestly bad for the Lakers and Laker fans, which makes they us can't happy. Shoot. And what's <laughs> what's bad now is everybody's seeing how Russell Westbrook plays. Nobody wants him. Nobody wants him. They're no. stuck. Anyway, um, Pels tomorrow against the against Luca, correct? Yeah, the Mavericks come in town. You know that's always a difficult matchup. We cannot stop Luca, and usually the referees they play a part in it, right? Luca gets to the free throw line, you know, yeah. ad nauseum against the Pels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, hopefully yeah, Herb that can go right. A, Jordy, that's gonna that'll be, be a tough one, no question about six thirty inside the blender. But what a what a what a night it was. It's a shame that the the Pels had some injuries, but but I tell you what, uh, it just goes to show me that they've got a bench that they can count on. That is uh, that can play hard. They will play together. Uh, I like what I see in this club. Let's just keep them healthy, Ollie. Keep them healthy, baby. Yeah, absolutely. You lose behind the first quarter, Zion in the fourth. Jonas Valanciunas couldn't have been any more off, right? He couldn't get himself yep. going. And yet the Pelicans were right there against a very gritty team that never went away for 40, well, 48-plus minutes. That's right. I, that's a different color. First of all, they stole our na- name, the Jazz. Yeah. And now they're where it looked like um, – like a like they have a highlighter, and that was the color of their unis last night. What did you think of that? I hated it. I mean, when I look at that uniform, I don't see the jazz. Do you? <laughs> no, no. There's no jazz music in Salt Lake City, Utah. There's the Mormon no. Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Period. Period. Ali Cassell, you're the best. Uh, what a night it was. Um, I hope they can sustain. I hope the crowds keep coming, man, because it's a it's a fun team to watch. But thank you. Absolutely, Jordan. I'll tell you what, that opener, having seen that many fans and how excited they were, I haven't seen the stadium fill out like that for the first three months of a Pelican season. So you're right. That's right. I hope they can sustain it because this is going to be a special year. It helped that they started off 2-0. and I'm telling you, they had to get out the gate in a hurry. Now they got to get a win. Yeah. They got to get a win tomorrow against Dallas and keep this momentum going before they hit the road. But um, we'll, it's a long grind, big fella, and I appreciate your time as always. Absolutely. Talk to you again soon, Jordy. You got it, my friend. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. Lopa's trail run for Life 2022 is this Sunday. The 10K, 5K, or one-mile superhero fun run is taking place at the Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm, located at 200 Flying W Road in Karen Crow. Participating uh, participating supports LOPA, Lopa, and there's a chance to honor Lopa's life-saving heroes and celebrate the gift of life. For more information, visit lopa.org. Astros to the World Series. Randy McElvoy was in the Bronx. He's back in H-Town. He will clarify everything for us next here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the World Series bound. Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, he may not be the American League Rookie of the Year, but uh, the Astros rookie, Jeremy Pena, is back in Houston as the AL Championship Series MVP. 
and the World Series is upon us. The Astros will host the Phillies as Game 1 of the World Series is this Friday, 7.03, first pitch from Minute Maid Park. He is a busy man. He uh, is the, the, the television star of the Houston area, H-Town. He was in the Bronx uh, to watch Game 4, and he's back in H-Town now. Randy McElvoy, kind enough to join us. Randy, must have been a nice flight home, big guy. How are you? Hey, Jordy, how are you? Yeah, it was. A lot of Astro fans were on the on the flight uh, this morning and, uh, you know, going on uh, very little sleep after last night's late night. But I think everybody's pretty happy about the way things have played out so far. Yeah, absolutely. Weather delay. Uh, they got the game in six to five win. Not many people sweep the Yankees in the playoffs, but the Astros right. did. Um, how did they do it in your opinion? You know what? I think, uh, you know, they, they had the timely hitting uh, that they've had all season long. You know, they've gone in spurts where the offense had gone a little silent at times this year, but overall, this is a potent lineup, man. And yeah. they just got key hits when they needed it and superior pitching. You know, pitching gets you there, and they've got the best pitching staff in baseball. There's no doubt about it. And They've proven that against Seattle, and they've really shown it against uh, the Yankees. And, uh, you know, Lance McCullough didn't have a great outing last night, nope. but he, he, he kind of gutted, grinded through it, and got five in, and uh, then you just hand off his bullpen, and the bullpen has been lights out. And a- Yankees don't have an answer for him. It was amazing. Uh, down three zip, Nestor Cortez was struggling a little bit. He walked uh, yep. Maldonado. He walked Altuve, and then here comes Pena. Uh, and what a series mm. he had! A four hundred and eight foot blast to tie the score. You could just feel it. You could see it was like when you puncture a balloon and the air just goes out. The air went out of uh, Yankee Stadium, didn't it? It really did because they, they, even though they were down 0-3, these fans were into it like they always are there. And yeah, uh, you know they were up three nothing. They, they were feeling pretty good, and even though it was still early in the game, but you know you, you kind of felt the momentum, sh- you know momentum shift at least in that game yesterday. And uh, you're right, man. When Pena hit that home run, man, it changed and it took the crowd out of it again. And they really never consistently got into it, the crowd, in those in those two ball games. And Pena, what a story, man. What a man. story. This guy has is, is come in, and it's not easy to replace a star like Carlos Correa, but he has done it. He's done it defensively. He's done it with the bat, and he's done it uh, in the postseason with the pressure really high. I mean, he just does not play like a rookie. I want to be that Astro scout that found him and brought him into the farm system and developed him because I'm going for a pay raise. Yeah. Exactly, man. And uh, it's funny, he, you know, he's been kind of a rising star, and he he um, spent some time last year at AAA, Sugarland, the suburb of Houston, and he uh, you know, excelled there and, and came up on the taxi squad for the playoffs. So he kind of got a taste of it, at least from that perspective last year, but uh, apparently, the, as the story goes, Carlos, when the season ended last year, when they fouled out against Atlanta, he pulled Carlos aside. I mean, yeah, he pulled uh, uh, Jeremy aside. I'm so, sorry, and then Carlos did and told Jeremy, he said, listen, I'm not coming back. You know, probably this job should be yours. This is what you need to do to get ready. 
you can make it, you can be the guy, and Jeremy has gone about his business, man. About as humble as a player I've ever met, uh, Pena. Uh, Work ethic is tremendous. Um, He does all the right things, and, you know, he – he just did went went about his job, did his work, starting a spring training. Didn't talk a lot, as a rookie shouldn't, and he just kind of watched and listened when the veterans guided him. And uh, man, sure enough, here he is on the man, big stage, that. you know, Ooh. earning ALCS MVP. Dusty Baker, just be smart. Just leave him in the two hole. Astros forty two and seven when he's batting in the two spot behind Altuve undefeated this postseason with Pena hitting in that spot in every game. He was terrific. I thought Alex Bregman was terrific too, huh? I lost you with the very end of it. What did you say, George? I, I think Alex Bregman was terrific too, don't you? Oh, man, I, I, if you're voting for the MVP, that was a tough vote, I think. Yes. Um, because as good as Pena was, Bregman's just, man, he is clutch in the postseason. He proved it again last night with that big hit and, He's had over 40 career RBIs already in the postseason. I mean, you look at, at Bregman, a guy had been up that long, and look at the numbers he puts up in the postseason. He's clutch. And uh, he's had a great bounce-back season. He stayed healthy. And um, it's just a – man, it is just a potent lineup. And it takes a lot to beat these guys, let alone in a series. And mm. as hot as Philadelphia is, I mean, and I think it's going to be a good series. I really do. Um, it's gonna, but you got to you got to play near perfect to beat the Astros. You really do because really the, the, do. they've it, got it, too many weapons offensively and with the arms. It's the golden era. They've won their fourth American League pennant in the last six years. Um, yeah, is everybody healthy? Are we going to have uh, uh, Verlander to start Game One? Is that the is that the the plan? Yeah, I mean, Dusty will talk about it and firm it up when they resume workouts, which I'm assuming they're just traveling back today. They're not even back in town yet. And um, they'll get all that squared away. But, yeah, it's going to have to. It's obviously going to be Verlander. And I would think Framber, the first two. I don't know why you would not uh, change that up. And then how they handle it on the road will be the question. Will they stick with what they did in New York? You know, Javier is, is... been so hot down the stretch, and you just stick with that on the road. And it's all about matchups. And um, I imagine McCullers will stay in the rotation. I don't see why not. But you're going to have to have somebody ready. Luis Garcia, some of these guys that uh, they've, they've already been counting on. So they'll map that out and see what the best plan is. But it, uh, you got to go with your ace, Verlander, 18 and four. And um, the, but Philly's got some pitchers too now. I mean, they've got some arms. Yeah. And they got some bats they, as well. As they such, wouldn't be just, where just they are. Bryce Harper. Yeah. They yeah. wouldn't be where they are if they weren't good. But uh, the last time these two met in right. the playoffs, back in 1980, in the National right. League Championship Series. How about that? So, um, yeah, here we go, again. man. That's I right. can't that, wait for – People remember that. I'm sure that will be a, a storyline this week. Get some of these old-timers in there and uh, talk about their memories for that one. But that was a great – Back and forth series between the Dome and, and Philadelphia and Nolan Ryan era. You know, it was a That's lot right. of great games in that series. That's right. Well, um, man, I, I greatly appreciate the time. Um, how did how did these two teams, Philly uh, and Houston, you know, they met in the regular season? How did that fare? 
Yeah, they met towards the they they were supposed to play early in the season, if you recall, like the opening weekend, week opening homestand, but because of the lockout, that everything got pushed back. So they ended up making that series up right there at the end of the season. And uh they were in here for three and I believe I have to look it up. I think they took two out of three from the Phillies, I believe. Okay. And um I'm just- so, but at the end of the year, Philadelphia still had something to play for. Uh, Astros did not. And so right. I don't think you could put too much stock into that. But um, at least they got a glimpse of one another. But they really don't know a lot about each other. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this one maps out, uh, how the managers use their pitchers. And, um, you know, the Astros become acquainted with the, with the weapons that Philadelphia has and Vice versa. So uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, Philadelphia's a great story when they made the, the managerial change, and here they are right. playing yeah, in the World I'm, Series. I'm just glad Bryce Harper's healthy and is going to play. Let's bring best against best and let's see what happens. Game one, Friday night. You it's got a, it. Got great time to be in Houston, man. Randy, thank you so much. Get some rest, man. I know you've been traveling, and it's, uh, whoo, that, that stuff is tough, but um, thank you. No worries. In any time, Jordy, it's going to be a fun week here. In a couple of weeks. All right, buddy. You take care. That's uh, yeah. Randy McElvoy. Um, works NBC in Houston. Does a terrific job on television. Just back from New York City um, as, as the Astros sweep the Phillies. Again, game one of the World Series will be Friday night, 7.03 first pitch. Game two, Saturday, 7.03. Then the series shifts to the city of brotherly love for a game three on Monday, Halloween, Halloween with a time to be determined. Um, so we, we shall see uh, game four will be Tuesday, November the first game five, if necessary, Wednesday, November 2nd, it shifts back to Houston for game six on Friday, November the fourth. So let's wait and see what happens. Um, but uh, we'll have all the coverage here on the game for sure. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, back to talking LSU Tigers. They deserve it after moving up nine spots in the AP poll to number 18. Jaden Daniels was awesome. The defense pictures a shutout in the second half. Offensive line, it was just their best performance of the year. And I said that the week before against Florida. This was even better. They keep getting better and better and better. It's almost like, man, do we really want to take a weekend off? Because we're rolling. But get some players back, get them healthy. Bama always brings their best, and they always welcome the best. And that'll be in Tiger Stadium for a 6 o'clock kickoff on November the 5th. Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast will be joining us in just a few minutes here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Oh, it's a great time, huh? You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look mouth. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 35 minutes after the hour, welcome back. What a weekend it was. The Cajuns get get a big win. Tulane gets another win. They're still in the top 25. And the LSU Tigers, as I've said, move up nine spots in the AP poll to number 18 after their 45-20 to 20 win over 
the hotty toddy Ole Miss Rebels. Blake Rafino joins us each and every Monday. We're so thankful. The uh, the host of the Are You Serious podcast joining us. How about them Tigers there, uh, big fella? How are you? Doing good, Jordy. Uh, very, very, very impressive win. It, it really was. Pick your poison. And let's start, let's start at the obvious. There is no question, there is no doubt that Jaden Daniels has figured it out. The coaches have figured him out. He's figured out this offense. He has been nothing short of sensational these past two weeks. Nothing short. Seven. 73.5% completion, 600 yards to the air, another close to 200 on the ground, 11 total touchdowns, no turnovers. Jordan, yeah. he's, played, he's, a, he's been the best quarterback the last two weeks in the country. He's I a beast. Mean, and you can't you, – like, I know people will kind of gasp at that, but the, the numbers back it up. I mean, Jordan, they've scored 90 points the last two weeks. 90. Yeah. <laughs> and this isn't, this isn't against – Tulane, Southeastern, this is again. Look, Florida and Ole Miss are still SEC Power 5 opponents. They still got dudes that will get drafted. They still got dudes that are uh, are four-star recruits. They went out there and they pushed them around. Offensive line did really well. Receivers, I mean, really, Jordy, after that second quarter, or the start of that second quarter, LSU turned it up. It's amazing. I, I, I guess they have to get a feel for what's going on. But I remember my daughter saying, Dad, it's not looking good. 17 to three. I said, baby, we got them right where we want them. I was being kind of a little facetious there. But I mean, 42, uh, 42 to three the rest of the way. Are you kidding me? What did they do differently? What? Well, what they did differently defensively, obviously, they put Harold Perkins on the field. That Finally. was a big deal, but it wasn't. It wasn't just Harold Perkins. I mean, Micah Baskerville. I th- if I'm not, if my terrific. memory serves me correctly, had four quarterback hits and, and, and had a and was a part of a sack. They just sent pressure, you know. Yeah. And basically, once Jay Ward hit Jackson Dart, he made a business decision. They broke him. And, and yeah. look, it's not. There's nothing wrong with that. And I don't mean that in the wrong way, but Jordy, they, I think they came to a point where it's like he didn't want to take those hits anymore. And, and, and the interception to Joe Fouché, he's throwing off his back foot. You know, yeah. uh, Micah Baskerville's hitting him right in the rib cage. It's tough to get up from that. And, and look, oh. give him credit where credit's due. He's, he's tough as nails, but they just continue to send the pressure. And Jordy, the one thing that we do not talk about, and I think we got to start talking about, Jacob Jake Flint needs an MVP trophy for this season because they're leaning on teams. They're not tired in the fourth quarter. It, I mean, they just look That's so much That's the strength and conditioning coach, folks. In, ca- in case you didn't know, Flint is the strength and conditioning coach. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's it, Jordy. I mean, it just it is, you know, him and his staff deserve – you know, I don't know if there's an award given at the end of the season. I don't know how you metric that. Um, but if there is, he deserves it because, th- I mean, they are fighting in the fourth quarter. They look fresh. I mean, you yeah, don't do. see many hands on hips. And, and really and truthfully, you see it the majority of the time in the defensive line. Jordy, the, the simple fact that Makai Wingo was, good was you know, who, won the, who won the award during the summer for the, the, you know, I think they call it the Hercules Award 
I mean, he came up with the biggest play to, to end the game and sacking Jackson Dart. So, yep. I mean, it's just so it's just so amazing, really, Jordy. For me, hey, look, I don't think you win. I don't. It's going to be very tough to win in two weeks. I'm not saying you can't do it, right? But the simple mm-hmm. fact that Brian Kelly's laying the foundation down after everything LSU's been through, Jordy, have you gone on Twitter to see anybody making fun of LSU? Because I haven't. Nobody. I don't look at that stuff, but I'm going to trust you on it. Uh-huh. I'm going to trust you. But look, you know, like, look, ahead, there's no question. Coaching matters. It really mm-hmm. matters. And you can see it. It's so visible and so evident. Let's go to your bread and butter. This offensive line gets better and better. Those rookie bookends are getting better and better. Um, you're going to get Dellinger back, but he's going to have to be a backup backup because uh, you don't mess with what's working. But that offensive line. So give that coaching that that coach a lot of credit as well, but you just see confidence brewing. Yeah, I mean, look, you got to give Brad Davis a lot of credit on what they've been able to accomplish. I, I think now that that offensive line, that was the third game that that exact unit had been had played together, and they, you just can't look. I think Garrett Dellinger is one of your better offensive linemen, but at this exact moment, you can't take him out. You know no. the toughness. You know, the toughness that, like, Miles Frazier showed. You know, he got his helmet ripped off. You could see when he's coming over to the sidelines, his mouth is bleeding because he got punched in the in the mouth on accident. Helmet hit him in the mouth. He gets his helmet, and you can see Brad Davis talking to him, and he giggles, and then Brian Kelly gives that little smirk like, oh, okay, so now this. And I think that's what Brian Kelly talks about in the, in the post games and in when we meet with him, Jordy, it's, all right, I want to see you get to a point. When Miles Frazier came off that sideline, okay, and I'm not saying Miles Frazier was the catalyst at all, but when he came off that sideline, mouth bleeding, and he's giggling, that's what you want to see. He goes back in there and Jordan, they score, right? And yeah. so my, my point my point is, is this. There's a toughness with this team. There is a willingness to not give up on this team. And, and, and Jordy, I got to be honest. When you talk about coaching matters, look at Kayshawn, right? Like from week one to week eight, can be symbolized yeah. through LSU. If you look at Kayshawn Boutte, yeah, the only he's the only one that had a drop on twenty nine pass mm-hmm. attempts. Um, but but you, you know, know what, Jordy? Complete... To really, and I'm sorry to really interrupt you, but I'm okay with that. If the very next play they threw they threw a screen pass to Malik Neighbors, he has the key block to get to get seventeen That's yards. Right. Right, like his whole body like, language I, is different. His whole body, body language, language is different, and that's what I study. Um, and you can tell right. he is integrated into the concept now, and he's one of the guys, and he's he's bought in, and I love that. Look, the running game was terrific. They ran for two hundred and fifty-two yards. Man, I like I like Josh Williams and Armani Goodwin. Uh, they run hard. Man, they run with a purpose. They were really, really good. They pass. You pass for two forty-eight. Um, Mason Taylor, uh, you know, Brian Kelly said we got a good one here, and uh, boy, he showed it, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, and look, he's getting much better in the run game. I think that not so much the passing run ability uh, or catching run ability, I should say, is getting better. Jordan, he's he's really really coming into his own as a as a run blocker. You talk about Josh Williams, 
uh, there was a play. I, I want to say it was on. Um, I forget who scored. I, I don't remember um, on who what drive they scored on, but Emory Jones missed a read, and and we're going to highlight that tonight. And Josh Williams absolutely decleated a defensive end that's two hundred and seventy pounds. So a wow. defensive end that has a hundred pounds on him, give or take, yeah. right? Yeah. And Hey, you just, Jordy, you root for Josh Williams, right? Absolutely. I mean, you just, you don't no have doubt. a choice. You root for him. And you know what? Even the fourth down, the fourth, the only fourth down LSU went for it on Saturday, he was stopped, Jordy. He, they, Miles Frazier missed a block. He got hit in the backfield and he kept turning his legs. He got a first down. That's what wins you ball games. No and, doubt. you know, Rafe. I agree with Brian Kelly, Jordy, very quickly. I agree with him. That Tennessee loss isn't as bad when you re- when you know what's going to happen. Jordan, they, they were playing to win. They weren't playing just to keep it close. And I agree with BK when he said that. Okay. Um, they were so far behind. Yeah, they had no choice. And, and I, I don't no disagree with you in any way, shape, or form. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. We talked about Daniels. We talked about the offensive line. We talked about the, the running back of uh, running of Williams and Goodwin. We talked about Mason Taylor, Jarrett Jenkins, and the, the wide receiver. Got to talk about the defense. Held them, held them, held that Ole Miss team scoreless in the second half. Um, the, the smallest run sample that Ole Miss has had all season. They got pressure on the court, but they stopped the run and they got pressure on the quarterback. And that, that we got to talk about how good Matt House's team was. Yeah, and what's even crazier about that, Jordy, is not not only did they hold them, but if you go back and watch that last drive, they had under 100 rushing yards going into that very last drive. Judkins had a 17-yard run. Ole Miss would end with 116 rush yards, right? So for everything to the very last bit of it, they held the best rushing offense in the country to under 100 yards if you take out that final play. My point in saying that is, and I get that they had Zach Evans out. Well, LSU right. had John Emery out. You had right. a guy returning from a torn hamstring. There, there isn't a lot of excuses here. Bottom line is, is I think that Lane got a little into his head. They should have tried to continue to run the football. They didn't, and quite honestly, that is, and again, I will say this until I'm blue in the face, that is what good coaching does. Matt House starts sending the pressure. And, Jordan, he didn't have an answer for it. And really and truthfully, the great thing about Matt House that I love more than anything, Jordan, he can be beat on a given, on a given play. They are going to make in-game adjustments to the highest level. They, yeah. After they gave up 17 points, they did not run that same defense the rest of the, the, rest of the way. They, can, yeah. they went big nickel. They went three down linemen. There was a point that B.J. Ojolari went out in the flat and then you saw him trying to cover a um, the t- the tight end at, at one point. It's I think for a young quarterback like Jackson Dart, it's so difficult to when you when you haven't seen it on a film and they run something, aka Joe Fouché interception in the in the end zone. Yeah. That's what happens. And, and, and credit not just to Matt House, so to Jordy, credit to this team because. For the last two seasons, we were getting lost in man-to-man coverage. I don't see us getting lost right now. Yeah. You're getting – yes, you get you have some busted coverage, sure. But, man, Jordy, you don't shut out that offense and only give a, allow three points 
if you don't know your assignment. So shout out to really everybody for yeah. knowing what they should do. As I have always said, and I equate this to the game that I played. If, if you're, you've just got to react. You can't, you don't have time to think you have to be able to just react, trust your instincts. And that's what seems like is happening to this team. Um, they're yes, they're in the right place most of the time, but they're just letting their athletic ability take over for them. And that's terrific. So the offense was good. The defense was good. And other than a, a penalty on the opening kickoff and a missed 42 yard field goal in the first quarter that didn't miss by much special teams were very good as well. Yeah. The punt that Jay Bramblett had Mike Jones jr. Getting down there, but he, and one time legitimately just pushing the outside contain the biggest word the whole, the whole night outside of the touchdown yes, caught a punch. was when Clayton, yeah, yes. when Clayton fielded the punt. And then, yes. and then this is how you know that they're being coached at a high level. When, at, when Ole Miss re-kicked, okay, and Clayton knew to let the ball bounce and did the right thing, we have video from our team at the game. Brian Kelly sprinted to Clayton. Sprinted. I'd say sprint. But what I would think is I've never seen him run like that. Grabs the young man and says, way to go, and slaps him on the rear end. Again, look, and I know this sounds emotional for me, but, Jordy, that's the small things that I look for, just like when you talk about body language. I look for body language with Brian Kelly, too. Right? Like, you know that they've been working on that tirelessly, and they finally executed on it. Okay, so we got to figure out a way to get Harold Perkins in the game a lot. From what Alabama does, is Harold Perkins going to be able to play in this game? They got to figure out a way to get him in there. And my whole point is, yeah, you, okay, they're saying, well, if we put in, we take BJ Ojolari out. Well, do you have to? Um, how about Allie Gay? What do we we got to get Perkins in there. Yeah, the only thing is, is the film does say this, Jordan. When they do run it, and when they do run it, Perkins, it can be an issue. Okay, yeah. like, I, so, look, is a young? Do you have to keep him on the field at all times? Yes, but you also are going to have to live up, live with him losing contain on the run, like he did on the big Jukins run. There are some things he's got to work on. You got right. two weeks to figure it out because you can't take yeah. him off the field. It's not an excuse. You got two weeks. Figure it out. And, and look, I I think Hendon Hooker is terrific. I think he's having a great year. But but give me Bryce Young over him every day of the week and twice on Sunday. In my opinion, for my liking, and to see that this is a guy that doesn't get rattled, doesn't didn't get phased, and he's just really good. And to your point, as you said earlier, I, I mean it, it's going to take a Herculean effort. But at least they play at six o'clock, and the crowd's going to be going cuckoo. But again. Welcome to Alabama's world, right? Every, every time they play, it's like that. Well, I will say this. To, 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 you know, look, I have much more faith that Brian Kelly can have a game plan ready to go versus other staffs, yeah. right? Yes. Like, I mean, outside of 19, Jordy, I feel a lot more confident that you can keep this game at minimum closer than what people think. And, look, let's call it what it is. Jordy, college game day is going to be there. Right, like it's gonna. The only, no, the only thing I worry game is gonna be a Tennessee, Georgia. Well, that's true. That's true. Tennessee, Georgia, baby. That's that's uh, that's if was, if everything yeah, goes according right. to you're plan. Right. You're right. That's where they'll be. You're right. Well, hopefully Georgia loses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
<laughs> one versus three. Yeah, that's where they'll be. Uh, we'll see. Mm. Alabama's a 14 and a half point early favorite. A lot of people might want to jump on that right now, the way LSU's playing. Yeah, you might. I don't know. We'll see. All right, big guy. I'm glad yeah. your meeting ended when it ended. I'm glad that uh, you were able to hop on board with us. As always, greatly appreciate your time. Everybody, be sure you check out the Are You Serious podcast. They've got film. they got video. they got everything, man. You do a great job. So thank you, sir. Thank you, Jordan. They always got that one last thing on Mondays. Just get us out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, brother. I hear you. All right, All right later, Mike man. with us. We'll take our final time out of the day. A couple of birthday wishes. We'll set the stage for tomorrow here on the Jordan Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for them fighting Tigers and the World Series Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back as we uh, put the finishing touches on this Monday edition. Can't believe it's already October 24th. Cannot believe it, but here we are uh, with a lot of important football games uh, as we head toward the month of November. Really good. Uh, special thanks to our guest, Glenn West, from Go247 Sports on LSU. Gerald Broussard, the Cajuns Radio Network. Uh, what a big win for um, Coach Dez and Ben Wilbridge. was terrific over Arkansas State. Ali Cassells, uh, Brandon Ingram, has entered the concussion protocol so that means he won't be available for tomorrow's game against Luca and the Mavericks. Uh, Randy McElvoy, straight back from the Bronx, uh, covering the Astros. And uh, World Series begins on Friday. Blake Rafino talking more about the Tigers. If today, October 24th, is your birthday, well, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with, he loves the NBA. Um, Drake is 36. Um, he's a great player for the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown is 26 and a great cornerback for the Rams. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is 28 years old. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Wow. They have like fallen off the mountaintop to date. We shall see. And the Saints with the off weekend after that debacle on Thursday, um, they have the Raiders coming up on Sunday. Just one game out of first in the NFC South. Wow. Tomorrow, Black and Gold Report with uh, Bob Rose. We'll hear from Coach Dez of the Cajuns and much, much more. So until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another and be happy. Have a great day, everybody.